you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lulovich. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. So we thought it was about time that we should have another chat to an employer and also to another man. So we've covered both of those things today with Demetrio Zima. He's the perfect fit. Dissatisfied with the traditional practice of law, Demetrio started his law firm, Law Squared, in March 2016 with a real focus on people. Law Squared has recently been recognised by Huffington Post as Australia's most innovative law firm, disrupting the traditional firm model as we know it. And central to his business model is ensuring that he has a great team culture, which he talks a lot about in the interview today, and something that he puts at the forefront of every business decision that he makes. Before we get into the interview, we want to remind you of a competition that our sponsor, Law CPD, have on at the moment. Law CPD's offer is brilliant. And if you're new to the podcast and don't know who they are, they offer premium online CPD courses for lawyers. But of course, you don't have to be a lawyer to do some CPD. So don't tune out just because you're not a lawyer. Yes, they cover all sorts of professional development things, managing time, how to be happy. Yeah, a whole range of things. And they're all online, which means that you can complete them anytime, anywhere and on any device. So what is the competition? Throughout February and March, Law CPD have three things on offer. The first is that they're giving away a voucher for $25 off your first purchase with Law CPD to everyone who enters. The second thing is that every single week of the competition, from which is now until the end of March, one person will win a one-hour online CPD course of their choice. So keep an eye on our social media where we'll be announcing winners every week. And the big one, at the end of March, Law CPD will draw a major prize winner who will win 10 hours worth of online CPD courses of their choice. And that is enough to cover all your CPD for next year. So enter the competition at lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle competition. Now back to the interview with Demetrio. Welcome to the show, Demetrio. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Now, It's a little bit unusual inviting you on because our listeners are mainly women who are juggling their career and family. And as yet, you don't have your own family in terms of having children. You've obviously got family. Um, (laughs) And you're also a man, which is also unusual. Thanks for making the exception. Yes. So because our listeners are mainly women doing the juggle of career and family, and most of them are looking for alternative work options, or at least employers who are supportive of their lives outside of work, we thought we'd ask you to have a conversation with us because you've actually managed to create something in a traditional industry, being the legal industry, that's pretty different in terms of what's normally out there. Yeah. When you started Law Squared, you openly said that you wanted to start a law firm that was built for lawyers, being that the people were the focus of your business. Yes. Yeah, traditionally, it's the clients who come first. Yeah. So why did you do this? Good question. I mean, I suppose I became quite a disenfranchised lawyer myself and realized that there was a better way for lawyers to engage with clients, but also a better way for lawyers to be treated internally. So, you know, lawyers traditionally, we like to be combative, we like to be competitive, and we like to kind of push the boundaries of ensuring that we can climb the corporate ladder. Be that a good or a bad thing, but often that then leads to quite negative culture. It doesn't lead to people working together. It often leads to infighting within teams and people's personal agendas being pushed ahead of clients' outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose I identified that there needed to be a better way. 
probably ideologically. It was just like, surely something else is out there. And really, there really wasn't. So I thought the only way to do that was to create a greater environment. I always wanted to give lawyers a real opportunity and a real experience and environment that I feel like I never got. And that's not to say that the law firms that I came from were bad or negative or that it just wasn't the best experience for me personally. And I feel like there had to be a better environment for lawyers. And I wanted those lawyers to get that environment. And really, that's kind of the premise for Law Squared. So what's different about your environment from a traditional firm? Yeah, I think if you look at those kind of combative, not collaborative type approaches that we were speaking about earlier, I think now it's about, well, how do we actually cultivate a positive culture? You know, how does every other industry manage to get it right in terms of teams working productively together, teams supporting each other, actually all working together to get an outcome rather than pushing personal agendas? And I'm sure we'll touch on this at some point, but time recording is actually the antithesis of this because it forces people to push their own agendas to meet their own budgets to meet, make their partners happy and therefore push their careers based on budget expectations largely. And so financial performance largely dictates how well or how not so well you're doing within a firm, which is ridiculous. And so I just removed that. There is no time recording. There is no financial metric which governs the success or in not success of a lawyer in this practice. And that fundamentally has changed the conversation. It changes the engagement amongst lawyers because if I'm discussing something with a colleague, and we've all experienced this. It's not like the colleague says, oh, what's that file number? You know, before they quickly jot it down whilst they spend 10 minutes discussing a file with you. Actually, there's really open dialogue and conversation about everybody wanting the best outcome for the client and ultimately knowing that then the firm gets the positive recognition for actually achieving that rather than an individual. So you're creating a real team environment amongst your people and the, and the culture is very team focused as opposed to individual focused. And we know that flexible working is really important for you and being able to offer and provide flexible work options for your staff. When I think about flexible work, it often feels like a very individualistic thing because it's all about what that individual wants and needs in their personal life and their work life. And I think that there's a real risk of introducing flexible work and it becoming all about the individual and about their wants and their needs. So how do you stop that from happening when you have flexible work at Law Squared? It needs to work two ways. I mean, flexible working isn't just about what works for you, but it's also about what works for your team, but also what works for, say, me as a business owner. So a good example is we've just recently hired Catherine Brooks. She's joined as an associate director. One of our past guests on the show, if you haven't Super exciting. She was sitting here in this very room with Ray and Ray was born exactly a month today Yeah, and we've come doing a bit of onboarding stuff and she just came in with Ray today. She spent a couple of hours, had a little bit of play, the office had a bit of a, a, a cuddle and all those types of fun things. But, you know, and what we've done there is just kind of set some expectations around, you know, she's currently working one day a week and we split that out over a couple of hours a day. And what that then does is gives me clarity in terms of availability, gives her clarity in terms of availability, gives the team clarity and also gives client clarity. Mm-hmm. Flexible working isn't about what you're getting out of it, the fact that you can work from home. It actually means well, how are you still a productive member of your team, irrespective of where you are. That's what flexible working is really about. So I don't care whether you're in the office, I don't care if you're on a beach in Bali, I don't care if you're in Byron Bay, I don't care if you're by the snow. But so long as you are still a functioning and able member of your team, no matter what capacity you are, then that is flexibility. That's a really interesting take on it. A lot of the people who we speak to or who are, are talking or advocating for flexible work take the other perspective and they say it's about enabling you to you know, manage all the aspects of your life and do all the things that you, as in I individually, need to get done to 
for my life but you're taking the opposite view you're saying well you need to do what we need you to do as part of this team but we don't care how you do it yeah and that gives you the flexibility to work from wherever you want to work and work the hours you want to work but just be clear about that i always say just set the parameters you know if you're going to be online today then tell us you'll be online today if you're going to be offline then you're offline so long as everybody knows you know lawyers ironically not very good at communicating with each other whereas for me it's just like open communication is key from all aspects that way we're managing everybody's expectations it's a pointless exercise if people haven't managed that expectation from a client perspective or from me or even from the broader team if i know that Catherine is not going to be connected until three o'clock tomorrow afternoon i have no expectations of her between now and tomorrow at three o'clock she also therefore can sort her day out and sort her morning out and do whatever she needs to do and then only connect when she knows that she has made herself about um, it allows it's a give and take flexibility is all about a give and take and one of the things about working flexibly is that it's often remotely i know that you yourself have um is it three locations three physical locations now yeah. so how are you making sure that you're keeping that same culture across all of those locations and also with the people who aren't physically at those locations, are you requiring the G at the locations for some time of the day or how are you making it work? So I'm a big believer in culture, if it's not at all obvious. <laughs> and I feel like you can only get team culture by being with the team. And so I say we have physical office locations and everybody comes into the office most days unless they, you know, again, are working. And remember, flexible working doesn't mean that you don't work from an office. It just means that you might work part of the day from my office, part of the day from a cafe, my work from home, it can mean anything. So that for me, being present and being with the team is number one. I personally travel to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane every week. And that is a key driver around culture because it therefore means that no single one office gets me and gets my attention. It actually means everybody gets that exposure. A couple of things happen there. One, the teams don't feel like, the boss, you know, for lack of a better word, is in Melbourne or, or is in Brisbane. He's actually spread across. Also, we actually have empowered senior members of the team or in fact all members of the team to kind of lead some key decision makings within each, each of those cities. We also make a conscious effort to bring everybody together at least once a quarter. And so that physically together. So we have a team meeting every week, which happens via Zoom or a, a similar program. The individual teams will meet every day, similarly via a, um, a physical presence such as Zoom. Collectively, the team will come together every quarter. It's a very expensive exercise, <laughs> but the benefits that that brings is tremendous because one, it means that I get FaceTime with everybody every week. Two, it means the team get FaceTime electronically at least every week, but actually together once a quarter. And, and that to me has definitely been a key driver behind our culture. We don't have that, oh, you're from Brisbane, or oh, you're from Sydney, or oh, you're from Melbourne. This is like, well, actually, we're a team. And that only works by the effort in which you put into it. A lot of employers seem to have the view that flexible working means that people will not be in the office. And they sort of tend to go from everybody in the office five days a week to, oh, someone wants to work flexibly. That means we're never going to see anyone. There's never going to be anyone in the office. When in reality, it's not really like that. I mean, you've just said it just might mean people change their working hours or maybe they're here for half a day. And it's always good and reassuring to hear people who are running a business, who are managing employees, who say, look, this is the reality. The reality isn't that no one ever sees each other and if you can make that work across three different locations i think that's pretty cool yeah i mean that takes a lot of hard work and very mm. little sleep uh, and lots of travel 
But I suppose it's my commitment to building a positive culture because without that, then it kind of underpins the whole ethos of what it is. So talking of culture, and you've said this is important to you, it comes across on your website, it comes across in everything that you read or know about Law Squared. Yeah. What have you seen the benefits of having a great team culture for your employees outside of work? Just general happiness, I suppose. No one wants to go home, like winch their partner, like, oh, you know, (laughs) this so-and-so said this. It always comes down to office politics, right? We've all been there. We've all seen it. And actually, that's what draws you down the most because, oh, this person said this about this and this person did this today and that was annoying. And we're often whinging about colleagues and the way that they treat each other. I can comfortably say that, you know, that culture doesn't exist here. It has at certain points, and I would not say that we haven't had issues, but I can comfortably say that I address those issues very quickly and that we currently have a team which just works, you know. There is none of this, if I don't come back and use the word bullshit, you know, that we often get in like office politics. And that just breeds ways because again, people are happy. People want to go to work. I always say to my team, if you go to bed two Sunday nights in a row and you're like, oh, tomorrow's Monday, we need to have a chat. You know, if you're not excited about the fact that yes, you get a great kind of coming into a good environment, working in a productive team um, and excited to do that, then there's something amiss. And I want to know what that is. And to have that kind of open dialogue with my team just means that they, I think are just generally happier people. There is nobody in this office past 6, 6.30. People get in here at 8.30, 9 o'clock. That's not to say they're, you know, but it kind of just shows that there is no one here at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night time. There's certainly nobody here at 7 a.m. in the morning. It's just not the kind of culture that we breed. People come, they're productive, but no one's here sitting till 9 o'clock trying to impress me and be like, oh, you know, the partner is still here, so I better still be sitting here. You don't get brownie points. Yeah. They're not leaving their jackets on their chairs while they're popping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we've all done that. Left the light on and the computer. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's doing that. So you've mentioned Catherine and given that so many of our listeners are women who are, are doing this juggle and, and they are often concerned around what it means to be pregnant. Um, and there is unfortunately a real feeling that once you're pregnant, you're kind of stuck. You know, you need to stay where you are in the job that you're in because to make a move means, you know, perhaps giving up employment entitlements to paid parental leave. It also might mean giving up any sense of loyalty that you have from your employer. And it also makes you feel like you might not get the flexibility options that you want. And as I understand it, Catherine was about 30 weeks pregnant when you hired her. Yeah. Why wasn't her pregnancy and the fact that she was going to have to work and wanted to work flexibly, why didn't that put you off? It's just that, I don't know, like it doesn't mean anything. Just because she's pregnant, she's having a baby. It doesn't stop her from being a good person, a good lawyer. She's a very driven person. But that aside, you know, I openly have said to her, like there is no expectations for you for that period of time that you need to be with your son and obviously with a growing family. She's a great lawyer, a great personality and somebody that I really wanted in my business. For me, finding people who have the right culture, the right mindset to be in a business like this is really hard. And so when you find those people, you make whatever exceptions you want to make. But also I say it's, it's not an exception. It's just a part of our culture and a part of our business model to have that. You know, we've got three dads in our team and each, you know, I've taken similar approaches to them. One of them, it was just about to have a baby within the first four weeks of him starting with our firm. So be it. Off you go. It's just a part of life. I mean, if we can't manage a business and manage a workflow and manage client base for three, four, five, six months or more without that person being there, then I think that's a fundamental business issue and one that we haven't worked out. 
pregnancy is not a scary thing. Well, at least for some women, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously very different for me, but, you know, I was certainly excited by that opportunity. And yeah, can completely see, and I've had conversation with other female lawyers who say, oh, look, you know, I've been at my current firm for five years, you know, I'd like to have a baby in the next six or 12 months. Um, and so therefore I think I'll just stick it out. And yes. I'm always, I mean, you know, I can't be, but I feel like I'm always a bit perplexed by that school of thought because I was like, you're still unhappy. Mm. You've got another six months of unhappiness. You then got nine months of a pregnancy journey, which you'll still be unhappy and stressed and all those types of things. You then have to have those awkward and weird conversations about maternity leave and expectations of when you might come back and why you're not coming back. And, then, of course, the firm saying, well, we'll pay you six weeks now, but then only when you come back, we'll pay you your other six weeks. Mm-hmm. I had a horrible story of somebody over the break telling me that they actually ch- decided to change firms whilst on maternity leave and received a letter of demand from their previous firm for their maternity leave. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, some small suburban law firm out in the regional Victoria. Like, this is a reputable law firm that has actively sent a letter of demand to a former employee around their maternity leave. Like, that's absurd. Like, yeah. it actually just, it upsets me, but also blows my mind that this is still a mindset that is carried by some firms today. Absolutely. One of our previous guests, Katrina McLeod, she's a partner of a law firm here in Perth, and they have a paid parental leave policy that is, uh, I forget now, but it's, it's effectively unrestricted, isn't it? There might be a minimum, perhaps there's a minimum period you have to work there I can't remember but in in any case what she said was that people came to her and openly in job interviews would say I want to work here because you're really supportive of families and I want to have a family and I thought that was great because it just by putting it out there that we we support people who want to have children look how many people now want to work for them and how many people who share their values and share their culture and don't have to be scared about approaching them or trying to change jobs while they're planning a family or having children yeah definitely i mean it's a great opportunity i mean the skill set is there you know the desire to work is there the desire to be engaged is still there yeah it just makes no difference so that's awesome encouragement for any woman who's listening or man who's listening and you know has intentions of family and and is worried about making a move whilst planning a family or being pregnant what do you say to the employers who are in your position who are potentially having these people arrive at job interviews you know how, how do you encourage them to look past pregnancy or something else yeah, I mean see the opportunity it's not about most employers in the law space I disagree with most of what I would say anyway I'd I suspect, but it's such a great opportunity. And why would you pass off somebody who fits your business for every reason, but for that they're pregnant? You know, why is that a negative? It's almost like a disability, if you like, and say, you know, oh, this person's great, except for they're dyslexic, you know, like, you know, look past that because they're all things that are workable. And it's so important to have somebody, again, for me, finding somebody who has the right culture, the right vibe and the right mindset to be part of a business like this is just make it work. The opportunity cost is so far greater. And I just think it keeps coming back to what you said before and which Lucy and I are always banging on about, which is this expectations. You are still, as an employer, have expectations of the employee and as the employee, they have expectations of their workplace and their employer. And if everybody knows what they are, then your family situation or your pregnancy is just another thing to build into what are the expectations. Yeah, and it's about being upfront and honest. You know, one thing that I 
I would say there are two rules in both my personal and my professional life, and that is trust and respect. And so long as you follow the two, then you can't breach them. If you breach one, you automatically breach the other. And I have the same approach with my team, which is let's just be honest and let's have a conversation at all times about the expectations of whatever it might be, but particularly about you know flexible working or just working remotely. Just be honest. If you're not going to be available for a certain period of time, then just set that expectation so everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I think where maybe it's gone wrong in the past is where, you know, certainly there are all examples of people working from home. Mm-hmm. You know, even you still hear, oh, do you let people work from home? Yeah. It's just like, yes, in fact, they're more productive when they're at home than when they're in the <laughs> office. But, you know, that old school mindset of just like, oh, you're just taking the mickey, if you like, by working from home. Actually encourage it and be open and upfront and honest, you know. I'm sure we've all heard the stories about people who just like walk past their computer and like push the uh, mouse button just so their chat says that they're active. So oh. anybody at home, so if they're working from home, so if somebody's on like the chat, then they can actually see that that person is active rather than inactive. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. But this reminds me of a conversation we had with another employer recently offline and they were discussing how they use Skype for business or something like that. So everyone is connected via Skype for business. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. And the comment was made actually in that conversation about some check-in, you know, you can see if people are online or not online. Inactive. Yeah. Oh, Lucy's been inactive for 15 minutes. Why she been yeah. inactive? <laughs> but the weird thing is that if you're sitting at your desk, you might be literally sitting reading something for three hours yeah. that is in paper in front of you. Yeah. Or you're on the telephone. Again, yeah, that perception, I suppose, is the issue. Yeah. Both of these things, talking about employees who are pregnant or who have children and people who are working from home, come back to or or they relate back to the idea of measuring outcomes as opposed to measuring time or other other measures of performance. Yeah. That's what you do. I mean, you've already said that before. Yeah. Well, we have no way of measuring time. I mean, there is no time recording function in this business. There is no hourly rate that I assign to anybody. We can only measure each other based on the outcomes that we set. Um, you know, and we do that daily. Every day, the team set the outcome that they want to achieve for the day and or for the week. And so then we measure each other based on that. So if I say I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done, well, then I need to come back in the next day and say that I've achieved X, Y, and Z done. Otherwise, the colleagues in my team around me will be like, well, why isn't that being done? It's not about dragging something out the longest to make the most gain from a time perspective. You know, Time recording is the absolute bane of inefficiency you know it breeds inefficiency no one is motivated to do something quicker when they are recording time it's complete talk of cheese <laughs> yeah now aside from forcing everyone to have time off over christmas to yeah. refresh and come back refreshed what do you do to keep your work fun how do you keep people happy in the workplace uh, that's a good question i mean I, I don't think there's any strict rule of what we do but i feel like we are a very social and active group one thing like i said before is that i spend time in each city every week which is really important for me getting the team together once a quarter is really important so that will always be just time in the office together um, we we'll always do some form of fun activity having weekly and daily meetings is also just another way of keeping it a bit more fun and uh, everybody on the same page we have a slack channel that everybody posts cat pictures and all sorts of ridiculousness in I mean, again, there's probably no hard and fast rule about that other than just ensuring that people feel motivated, feel comfortable, but also they can just have open conversations, both with each other, but also with me about their expectations, their feelings, what's happening in life, and not in some psychologist counseling type of way, but just sometimes you have a shit week. Sometimes you just wake up and be like, today's not my day. I'm just not going to be a good person to be around today. Um, <laughs> it's good to recognize that. Yeah. Having the confidence to say that is, uh, is huge, but also having the ability to say that to, you know, uh, 
superior, if you like, but also can be quite confronting and challenging for particularly junior members of staff. So again, creating a culture that allows that, I think is definitely what allows people to feel happier. You know, we host a lot of events as well as a business across all the cities, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, the team will often come to them, enjoy kind of meeting with clients or just members of the community. That plays a big role, I suppose, in people working together and feeling like they're getting to know each other outside of the workplace. Yeah, we are big on activities. We don't have a drinking culture here, which I'm really proud of. So now Christmas party wasn't a big booze up, everybody just getting junk. You know, we're all foodies and uh, coffee addicts, I think, at Law Squared. And so a good example is our Christmas party was a degustation breakfast at mm. Loon, which is a, um, a really famous croissant uh, patisserie here in Melbourne. It was a Fitzroy street art walking tour and then lunch at a Japanese restaurant. Oh, fantastic. Food and more food. Food and more food and some good coffee and sweet pastries. It's everybody's, you know, that's the kind of thing and culture and that we'd want to keep this business online with rather than going, let's all just go out, get completely drunk and celebrate the year. Like, let's celebrate our wins, celebrate our successes and share that throughout the year. And we do do that. But also, let's really create a culture where people feel like they want to be part of it. I love that you're pulling things from what other industries and organisations are doing and also, you know, creating your own thing to make an organisation, make a firm that's different. It's great. None of this is new. Our approach to culture is anything but unique, but I think it is a bit unique in the legal industry and it's quite sad to see that. Yeah. We're making change. We're making change. Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, there are lots of good lawyers who are changing that model. You know, there's podcasts like this that people are listening to and others and these are kind of what that catalyst of change is bringing about. So it's really exciting. So to round things out, we have a couple of questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, do you have a mantra? Are there words that you live by? And I kind of heard something earlier that I think sounds like one, but you tell me. Yeah, so trust and respect are my two mantras. Uh, everybody will like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just two really simple rules, which are, you know, I live both personal and professional life by those two. and because they're intertwined. And so if you can't have enough trust and respect for somebody as a colleague, as a friend, as a family member, then I think there's a fundamental flaw in that relationship. You know, without being all cliche, life is short and we really want to make the most of what it is, both from a friend, a family and a colleague perspective. And all I ask of all my team is just to come with those kind of two thoughts uh, every day. And if we can do that, then it makes a better work environment, both for us, for our clients and for our colleagues. And if you had to choose just one piece of advice that you'd give to other employers who are employing people who are managing the juggle of their career and their family, what would your one piece of advice be? Don't succumb to traditional norms of what it might mean, either from flexible working, pregnancy, disabilities. Don't see it as a barrier. It's interesting, when we first started recruiting people for Law Square, whenever I speak to recruiters, I always say I'd love people who have empathy but the best way to dictate that is actually somebody who's worked in hospitality. I had one recruiter say to me, she's like, I've never had a law firm ask me for somebody with experience in hospitality. And I was just like, why wouldn't you? Somebody in hospitality knows attention to detail, knows what customers want, always kind of looking out for something, right? Like always being to like a restaurant, like water glass are full, table is set. That is just customer service that we as lawyers need to get better at. Mm-hmm. I always knew those years at Brumby's Bakery were something positive. <laughs> Yeah, 100% would have put you in good stead amongst them because you have that empathy, right? You got somebody yelling because their bread was moldy or, you know, the bag wasn't opened and 
five cents short change and you had to deal with all these different things that actually you don't otherwise get unless you've been like a retail or hospitality type environment. Yeah. yeah, my definitely one piece of advice is definitely about taking the opportunity and, you know, create your own, you know, you don't need to just follow what the industry has always done. I think us as a model and me as a business owner and a principal of a law firm, as much as I hate that word, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of everything but what a traditional law firm generally is. I love that idea. It kind of falls into that idea of, you know, what would you do if you weren't afraid of failure? Yeah. Thank you so much, Demetra. It's been brilliant to have a chat to you. No, that's all right. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for making the exception for having a male on the show. <laughs> we like males. <laughs> we do. If there's any more yeah. out there that you can see, <laughs> then please let us know. Yeah, cool. All right. Thanks, Demetra. Bye. Great. Thanks so much. A huge thank you to Demetrio again and to all of you for being part of this episode today. If you want to connect with Demetrio, you can find him on LinkedIn, on Instagram at Law Squared or visit their website lawsquared.co. We'll include all the links in our show notes. That's all from us today. If you enjoyed, then please subscribe and perhaps come and join us in our Facebook community, the Juggle community, so that you can talk more about this and any other issues around the juggle that you'd love to talk about. And you can find all the links on our website, thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.